I'm your host, Georgia Dostal, and welcome to the Balanced Ballerinas podcast. Join me on this journey where we explore mindset, self-development, the transformative power of movement. We delve into nutrition, small business insights, goal setting, and of course, the profound impact of ballet, all while seeking that crucial balance within this beautiful art form. In each episode, you'll get an exclusive peek behind the curtain of my life, managing two thriving businesses, GC Dance for School Age Students and Balanced Ballerinas, which caters to the adult ballet community. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Balanced Ballerinas Academy, offering in-person adult ballet classes and online courses. I'd love you to check out the show notes for links to join our fantastic community or visit balancedballerinas.com for further information. Now, a topic that I've wanted to cover for a really long time, I just needed to find, I guess, the right person to have the conversation with is how to make a career in the creative arts, specifically adult students who find dance later in life and decide that they want to make it more than just recreational. I've actually never heard this topic discussed before, and I know that many of you are interested. As you'll hear in our conversation, There's probably a reason it's not discussed and that's because it's a difficult conversation. You'll hear us kind of like jump onto different topics, loop back around, thread it all together and then lose track again. It's a really complicated conversation. I mean, everyone knows that I am a huge advocate for starting anything at any time. Age in my books is not a barrier, but It is unlikely an adult ballet dancer will be able to have a full-time career as a professional ballet dancer starting so late in life. Look, I never want to say never, but we can all agree that it is highly unlikely, unfortunately. But there are many other ways an adult dancer can make a career out of their hobby and I guess dive a little deeper into this work. And as you'll hear, it just takes a little unconventional thinking, lots of creativity, and the two words that aren't so sexy, patience and persistence. So further on this topic, I was once talking to an acquaintance at a teacher's seminar. She owns a studio. And I was mentioning that one of my adult ballet students was interested in teaching ballet. And I was actually hoping to have a really productive discussion about how I could assist her becoming accredited, what teacher training she should do, and what classes that she could potentially start with. And instead, unfortunately, this person, and look, this was years ago, they said, oh, great, exactly what the world needs, another ballet teacher. And I was a bit taken aback, to be honest, because after some thought, yes, Yes, we do need some more ballet teachers, ones that are passionate about teaching, that haven't fallen into teaching only because they had a professional career and now can't think of anything else to do with their lives. And I know that that sounds incredibly harsh when I put it like that, but we all know of teachers who teach because it pays the bills. They may have been a phenomenal professional ballerina, but their ability to pass on the knowledge is just not there because they're simply not really interested in teaching. Now, important to note, it also goes the other way. There are incredible professional um, dancers who are the most beautiful and gorgeous teachers. So not saying they're not out there, but the opposite is definitely true. Anyway, I truly believe, I really do, that someone can begin a ballet teaching career later in life. I mean, sure, they probably can't jump into teaching vocational level students or become a ballet mistress at a company, 
but they can definitely do their teacher training and teach little ones or adults how to dance with the correct guidance, mentorship and training. It's really important, you know. And I can't even tell you how many times I meet ballet specifically teachers who say, oh my gosh, I don't know how you teach adults. Like I, I don't want to teach adults. I just love the children. They're almost intimidated by teaching adults or for whatever reason, they don't want to teach adults. So, and I believe there is a big lack of adult ballet teachers out there. So if there is an adult that has spent years and years studying ballet and they decide that with the correct training and some guidance, mentorship and doing the right courses want to teach adults, I think that's awesome. A perfect example, though, is one of my online 12-week adult ballet course students. After completing the course, she expressed to me during one of our last one-on-one coaching sessions that she was really interested in teaching. And I helped guide her with what courses to participate in so she could provide some structure and technique to her class. And now she's teaching beautiful little pre-primary ballet students at her local church. I love this. I mean, how lucky are those little girls and boys having a passionate and encouraging ballet teacher who started later in life? I think it's not only beautiful. I think it's really, really inspiring. Anyway, this is why I wanted to have this discussion with Josephine, our guest today, because not only is teaching an opportunity, but so is performing. And so is being on, say, the marketing team and administration side of companies and galleries and theatres. The possibilities are endless. But also, before we have this this discussion, it's really super important to note that sometimes making a career out of our hobby is not the right decision. And I hope that this conversation helps you navigate this question if it's been floating around in your head. Anyway, I went on a bit of a tangent there, but I really thought it was important to note those things before we jump into my discussion with our guest today, Josephine. So she is a performing arts business coach, speaker, talent manager, and mentor that helps creatives and studio owners realize their full potential. Josephine loves to dream big and promises across her social channels to share her energy, which is in abundance, her commitment, experience and industry knowledge so that you can achieve your goals. And her specialty is helping humans turn their creativity and passion into a thriving business and essentially living the life that they've always wanted. I personally loved chatting to Josephine and particularly enjoyed her take on what we should be teaching young students graduating from full-time dance courses. So you'll have to listen to find out. Enjoy. Welcome to the Balanced Ballerinas podcast, Josephine. So lovely having you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have this chat. I'm so glad that you reached out because there's a topic that I want to discuss um, and I've never actually heard it on a podcast before, which is how adults can actually turn if they would like to, which sometimes isn't the best idea, but we'll always, we'll chat about that, um, their hobby and their love for the performing arts and maybe specifically ballet into an actual career. So before we get into that though, I want to hear your journey in dance how old were you when you first began <laughs> so my dance journey started when I was very little as most people um, do really experience that preschool ballerina experience when they start their dance journey and that's where I did start I was very inspired by my older sister um, she my eldest sister is nine years older than me and she loved dance I mean her whole life was dance she ended up opening her own you know studios and whatnot and And so that was my inspiration. Um, But 
the funny thing about that was I was doing it for a few years and I do distinctly remember one year I got in trouble by my dance teacher and I was really upset and I was scared to go back. And so I told my mom, no, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back because I got in trouble and I got made to sit at the back on the chairs. And <laughs> I don't remember what I did, but that actually stunted my dance journey for a few years. Um, I would have been primary school age. I can't remember exactly. And that always makes me a little bit upset because my mom was like, of course, you can take time off dance. And so, you know, if you don't want to go, you don't have to go. But no one actually really asked me why. And it was because I was scared because I got in trouble, which seems so silly now, right? So there was a break. And in that break, I think those, that can be really those integral years of technique and um, that, you know, that development phase. So I didn't really go back to dance again until I was around, I think it was 10 or 11 which sounds like not too bad, but it is for ballet, right? (laughs) So I feel that there was a little bit of a gap there that affected my uh, technique potentially. Uh, So anyway, look, I loved it since then. I kept going through my teen years, ended up going to full-time college. So I auditioned for a college here in Sydney and in Melbourne, went two years full-time And then eventually opened up my own performing arts studio as an adult. So, you know, I was a teacher for many years, loved that. I was a working artist. Uh, I did that for, you know, a decade and then went on to open up my own performing arts studio, which did incorporate in the very beginning, you know, those sorts of traditional um, dance forms, including ballet, tap, jazz, you know, all that sort of thing. Uh, but that's how my dance sort of my dance story started. So yeah, I got in trouble for my dance teacher. <laughs> What's interesting, and and I guess a little bit disappointing there is that you know you were little, you know, it, you know we have to create some sense of you know authority as the dance teacher, and it probably was just it could have just been a conversation like okay, sweetheart, what happened? <laughs> Let's yeah. talk through. Oh, okay. Well, you know, your teacher's probably right or wrong, you know, in this regard. And maybe next time do this, not, well, you don't have to show up again. <laughs> 100%. And, and to, to think of that, my my parents were not creative or artists yeah. in any form. So to them, it didn't mean anything. And I guess at that age, I didn't know it was going to be my life. Yeah. And so if I'd known that, or if they'd known that, maybe it would have been different. And so there's a little bit of um, regret there, I think, because that did definitely stunt my development. So when I did come back to it, I felt like I was a few steps behind and I had to work really hard to catch up, especially like flexibility, all of that. I always had to work. I felt like I always had to work a little bit extra harder, which was fine. You know, I guess that builds your resilience as well. And um, you know, I always had that that fire in my belly to to make up and and to get there and 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 strive for that excellence. So yeah, that's sort of where it all started. Well, it hasn't stopped you, but I think it's funny. Like a lot of people, I mean, I'm the biggest advocate of starting ballet dance at any age, but it is really hard as a child if you come in at that 10, 11, 12 age group Mm. where students have been, you know, dancing for quite a while and they're starting to attempt more advanced work. And then the, you know, I always think about this, I'm going off on a tangent, but I'm, I'm always thinking about, you know, can we have a class that's kind of like a beginner level, like I do with my adults for that 10, 11, 12 age group, 
But as a studio owner, as you would know, that's not a feasible class because it doesn't really work like that. You you wouldn't be making enough money to run the class because you'd have maybe a handful of students for a period of time. So it is tricky. It's a tricky one because sometimes when I'm talking to people and they, and I'm like, Oh, it's really hard coming in and joining as a 15 year old. Totally. Oh, that's a totally Um, ball game. Yeah. And people say, Oh, but you say you can start at any age. I'm like, yes, you can. But it's probably going to be easier if you start, if I'm all honest, um, at 18 <laughs> in my adult class. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say a 15-year-old probably needs to then jump into like a beginner adult ballet class and just yes. enjoy it, you know, like just for the fun of it, you know. So it's yeah. a different thing. But I guess that kind of opened up that whole experience. You know, I, I did other forms of artistry. I, I'm a singer, uh, musical theatre artist, and I did all of this through my career. Uh, like I said, I opened up a performing arts studio. That was a that was a definitely a, a challenge. I went in a little bit blind. That was a decade ago, and since then I've grown that business dramatically. I mean, I now have four locations. I have an in-house talent management service, so I help my students uh, create their own professional performance path. Um, and I've become a, you know, a performing arts business coach as well. So I teach other studio owners and and creatives how to, you know, thrive and grow in this industry. Yeah. I've heard you discuss um, the fact that a studio owner, you know, is the creator and nurturer of the talent within their four walls. So instead of actually sending them out to another creative agency, why don't you foster that opportunity and growth yourself as the studio owner? I'm coming at this from a different angle and I'm going to throw a question at you. We have a lot of school-age students, but they tend to actually, um, well, we have about 220, but they tend to actually love going into dance physiotherapy or um, dentistry or really random things, and which I just love. We have a few go off to, um, you know, things like NIDA and WAPA and all of that, but I actually have more from my adult community, yeah, a newfound love for the for the art, and they sort of tiptoe around the idea of how could I make this a little bit more than just you know the three or four times a week they're coming to class. Like, how can I make this part of my life in a more tangible, perhaps career focused way? So. How could someone like myself foster that within my own dance community? Because there is nowhere to send them. Yeah. And so I really want to just step back there because you've mentioned that people are tinkering with the idea. Let's be clear. People are tinkering because they're afraid to admit that that's what they truly want. And so when you're tinkering, it's that little whisper. It's the voice that says, this is what I want, but gosh, that's hard. I'm not good enough. I don't know where to start. Where do I go? And so is it too late for me? And so many people think it's too late for them. And this is across every age. I was a 10-year-old thinking it was too late for me. (laughs) So true. You know, it's ridiculous. It it really is. And, you know, you're going to have people in their 20s, 30s, 40s thinking it's too late for me. The truth is it's not too late. Your career just looks different, okay? So I think the first step is to accept that it's something that you actually want 
And it doesn't have to be at a high level professional level, but don't feel like you have to talk yourself out of that either. So like I said, I'm a talent agent, I'm a talent manager, and I've been doing this for years. And yes, I do do it in-house in my studio, but I've also managed adult artists as well. So I actually really understand this space. I think the first step is that number one, actually ask yourself the question, is this what I want? Because if the answer is yes, then you need to then go and back yourself. And when I talk about backing yourself, it's it's interesting because it's not just, yeah, put a post-it on your screen and like back yourself, girl. <laughs> Five. <laughs> I do that, by the way. I do all of those things. I've got little messages around, you know, reminding myself of all these positive affirmations, but that's not enough. You know, I think you have to dig deep and you have to find out why do you want to do this? And, you know, once you really discover that why and go, right, this is why I want to become a performer. I want to dance here. I want to create my own work. I want to work in a company setting. And there are different companies, right? Like it may not be that you're going to be in the Queensland Ballet, okay? But that's okay. So it's also accepting where you are, right? And maybe adjusting the dream a little to fit where you are you know so once you discover that why I think it's so important to then just back yourself and dive in really honestly the way to foster a career as an adult is to number one decide what sort of work you want to participate in for example if it's television and commercial then you will probably need an agent Mm. and some people go oh finding an agent is so hard well it is if you're going for the big guns you know But there are so many agencies out there. And really, at the end of the day, if you want to just be, you know, put forward for opportunity, there's going to be an agent to represent you. But some people will say, oh, no, I've tried that before. But they said, no. How many? Did you email one, two? Did you follow up? Yeah. You know, if you emailed 20 agencies, 50 agencies, someone's going to probably say yes. So I think, again, it's about being honest with yourself. Did you actually try? Did you really give it a go? And could you walk away from that and say, did I give it my 100%? But if it's for dance work, and I'm talking a lot here because I'm quite passionate. (laughs) That's why I was like, I wanted to talk about this for ages on the podcast. And I feel like when your email came through, I was like, I feel like you're going to be a good person to tackle this topic (laughs) because it's pretty niche. (laughs) Well, yeah. And I think the other bit is, so it, like I said, if it's television, film, that sort of screen work, you're probably going to need an agent. I mean, you can look at websites like, you know, your your starnow.com or your, um, what's another one, backstage.com.au or whatever it is. There's these websites that you can actually find some bits But the truth is those quality high-level roles are are back-end quite confidential pieces that aren't publicly, um, you know, uh, shared. You might get some on a casting director's Facebook page, but again, most of the stuff is private and confidential. You will need an agent. So that is reality, but that doesn't mean you can't get one. Just seriously, go for it. If it's more dance and production work, then... Again, you have to ask yourself, what type of work am I willing to do? What type of work am I interested in? Because in that space, sometimes you actually need to create your own opportunity. And actually, more often than not, you do to build up that CV. 
so you know for me I've I've written musical theater shows and toured them to vacation care market which is like school markets now you might go I don't want to dance in front of children but why not like if you think you could put together a wonderful group of people and put together a, a Christmas ballet pantomime you know the sky's the limit but you can do whatever you want but you can pop these things together corporate corporate entertainment you can actually create these opportunities is it work to create your own professional performance company if you've auditioned for many and all of them say no? Yes, it is work. But at that point, when you do create a professional performance company, you become the business. So that's the other side of the arts. I think we don't talk about it enough that the arts, you are a contractor, you are a business. And yes, that doesn't sound sexy and fun and artistic and creative. It does but, to me, but I'm weird and I like it. <laughs> like that's it does to me that. too. It's super sexy. But, <laughs> but you know what? That's the truth. And no, you're not going to make any money dancing at the Fringe Festival. But if you love dancing at the Fringe Festival, <laughs> I've done it, then do it. Yeah. Enjoy it. If you want to be in, you know, amateur musical theatre or an amateur, you know, ballet company that doesn't make money but you love what you do, then do it. But if you want to make this a viable career and you're auditioning and everyone says no, then you've got to take, you've got to take the reins and you've got to actually start stepping into this as a business owner. And that's the truth. And if you're unwilling to do that, then it may be challenging. As the other side is education. I think we don't talk about education enough. That yeah. people can actually have a beautiful career in education. Yes. Uh, they don't teach it in uh, what do you call it? Full time school. It's not considered a career option, but it's totally a career option. Do you, <laughs> you, know? do you mean teaching dance? So yes. They, yes. So I have quite a few adults, and so I have a signature twelve week course, and at the end of that course. I've had quite a number of my students fall in love with really having created this balletic lifestyle and telling their friends about it. And for example, I had one lady in the US who was then invited by her church group to take a little pre-primary ballet class on a Saturday morning. And she was like so hesitant and so scared. And But she did a beautiful thing. She opened up to me about the opportunity and she said, I really want to do it properly. How can I become accredited? Now, as you and I both know, there is no one accreditation path to becoming a dance teacher. No. And there's also no website that says these are all the options available. So we sat down and we discussed and we chatted about some um, possible ways she can, you know, um, get the tools to feel confident teaching a bunch of pre-primary ballet students. But yeah, I think, and I'm with you, full-time studios lack the, um, just the, the drive to be able to tell their students that creating an, a career as a dance teacher is not a backup. Like, Oh, totally. Gosh, that annoys me. It's actually yeah. an incredible career that yeah. you can make really good money. You know, you can actually be incredibly successful if you, of course, work really hard. Um, and it's just a beautiful career. Like I just, I, it really annoys me when it's always, 
you know, it's the those that can't do teach. I have. Yeah, and, and that was said to me many times and I used to believe it because that's that was the narrative. That was, that was the narrative that was surrounding me, those who can't do teach. But I think that it should be shifted into yeah. an career option and I think that we have a responsibility in these educational institutions to actually teach some other areas besides the art form so for example teaching that teaching is an option it's a career and it is one that you shouldn't feel ashamed of just because you didn't make it, and I and I've got inverted commas yeah. for anyone on audio. <laughs> I was about to tell everyone. I'm like quotation marks made yeah, it. There you go. Quotation marks. <laughs> just because you didn't make it um, doesn't mean, as a performer, doesn't mean that what you're doing as a teacher isn't valuable. It's totally valuable, and it actually can be quite fulfilling, joyful, uh, lucrative, all of those things. So I think we should we need to start teaching the art of teaching in these institutions it should be it should just be one of the subjects you know I think it should be a regular thing not just a once-off workshop you know how they do that they have like a once-off workshop with an agent who tells you how to get an agent and then they have this once-off workshop that tells you what is it um how to run a business but not really and in two hours you're going to learn everything yeah, no, no. You're not. no you're not no you're not it is, you know, everything from even accounting, like how to, you know, keep receipts. What can you claim for? Like these are things that we need to start having conversations with dancers about because what ends up happening is you end up <laughs> at the end of the year. I've seen this. I've actually had clients do this where they've got, they haven't done their taxes for years. And then, because they just don't know. Yeah. They don't know. That, that's part of the job. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I mean, obviously owning a dance studio, we've had a few teachers come through the doors and the amount of times that myself and my mum, Sharon, my business partner, have business discussions with our staff and help them with their life admin because no one's ever taught them how to do that. Um, how, how to send an invoice. You know yes. how many times when I hired <laughs> young teachers, they ne- they didn't even know what an eight. They'd, they'd come out of full-time college, by the way, two years, spent tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. They'd come out, they were demanding high fees. This is yeah. the other bits. They'd come out being told I'm worth $100 an hour. Yeah. Well, I would argue that because you're not coming out knowing anything about teaching at all, actually. You've never taught a class in your life. Okay, let's be honest. You've never taught a class in your life. You don't even know what an ABN is and you don't know how to send an invoice and I'm going to have to give you a template. That is unacceptable. Especially if institutions, the institution's perspective, that is unacceptable. Now, you told me this is a disruptive um, podcast, so I'm going to be honest. Yeah, and if you're charging $100 an hour, you need to know how to write an invoice. (laughs) You might be a brilliant teacher, I mean a brilliant artist rather, brilliant dancer, but not know how to teach and that can be trained over time and that comes with experience and know-how. I've had some beautiful uh, dancers. When I first started, I used to hire dancers in my studio for teaching. Now I hire teachers. Yeah. And there's a difference. 
And sometimes I'm willing to take on a young, you know, a young teacher that's a graduate who's not had any teaching experience if they understand where they're, where they're starting from and then I'm going to train them to become a coach. Mm. Um, and so I've actually fostered some beautiful teachers through that, nurtured people through that experience and really taught them the art of teaching and, you know, check in with them, give them different tactics, walk into their classroom, maybe view a class, give them some feedback at the end of the session. Hey, I think this is a, you know, this is somewhere that you could improve or give them some exercises that they, you know, things like that. Even just when it comes to choreography expectations, these are things that they just don't know. And so I think, yeah, when you, when you ask for a price, you need to, and there's nothing wrong with that because I'm all about backing yourself and commanding a price, but I think it also needs to be deserved, you know. And so that's that's a different thing that I think that these institutions are not training their people. I mean, I remember when I graduated and I've done two full-time courses, um, I graduated from my last one and they had agent day. This is the other bit, right? So you have agent day and the agent comes to the show and watches everyone. And I didn't get picked, by the way. Most people didn't. Like out of a group of, say, 30 graduates, five people got picked from the top agent that was in the room. And then everyone else was left to dry. And then they're like, thanks for coming. Bye, everyone. Enjoy your career. Mm. And it was scary because I actually didn't know anything. I realised at that point that this certificate, this diploma (laughs) made me a really great performer really did I I came out stronger fitter just hungry to to be a performer and dance but I didn't really know anything and so it's quite uh deflating and I think they don't prepare you enough for that either they don't tell you how to protect your mental health when you come out of a high engaged performance environment and then you're literally on your own going oh, what do I do? I don't have an agent. I don't know what I'm doing. I've never been told that teaching is a real option for me. So I don't know how to earn money other than waiting on tables, which is what I did. You know, it's just, it's, it's not right. And I um, I want that to change. I see this all the time, actually, because of the nature of my open adult ballet classes. I have a lot of full-time students in their, you know, early twenties coming to class And after a few classes, I always ask, you know, oh, like, you know, you're a beautiful dancer. Like, what are you doing here? You know, tell me about your journey so far that's led you here. And the amount of ex-full-time students who are now kind of floundering and they're not sure what to do with themselves and they're coming to open ballet classes because the doors have closed on the studio doors of their full-time training course and they want to keep dancing and they want to keep, you know, fit and ready for the next opportunity that's coming, but they just look so lost and just Mm. not sure about the world and where to go. And that's actually sometimes how I've sourced some teachers (laughs) because I've said, have you, are you interested in teaching? I can show you that pathway. And, um, It's interesting. I mean, it hasn't always worked out, but in some instances it has worked out Mm. very well. And it's like the the option never even crossed their mind. 
Yeah. And you know what you can do as well for those that even just like some people will say, no, I want to be a performer and I don't want to get tied down to a teaching gig. See, this is where it comes. This is where it starts. So they're scared to take on a teaching commitment because they're committed, good people. They don't want to let someone down. And I understand that. So, you know, the problem is, is that you could be unemployed as an artist for six to 12 months at a time. (laughs) So it's hard because you want to commit to a studio, but then you're saying, but if I get booked for this, I'm gone. Really, let's be honest. So that's where it becomes tricky. So, you know, that's why I say creating your own performing arts opportunities, like create your own small performance company. It can be even a two, it doesn't have to be, by the way, this is the other bit, it doesn't have to be a big extravagant show. It could be roving dancers. Um, to, to, you can have you and a mate <laughs> literally be the entertainment and, you know, have roving dancers at an event, promotional stuff sort of work, workshop facilitation. So running workshops in schools and there are actually booking agents out there that are specifically for the school and vacation care market. You know, you've got Fun Day Out, um, Skills and Thrills. These sorts of companies are Australian-based and they literally take on talent that will facilitate workshops for children across the country. So you you reach out, you tell them what you're offering. Hey, I can do a frozen themed workshop, right? Okay. It's a 90 minute session. We charge this much. Would you be interested in selling that to your database of schools? Absolutely. Get me some um, photos, a description and whatever else. Great. You get together, get into your little costume, take your nice photos. It's so simple. Uh, The amount of times I've sold show concepts, workshop concepts, you name it, to these booking agent type places, and you can just Google it, children's entertainment booking agents or school holiday booking agents, vacation care booking agents, um, these sorts of things. The amount of times I've sold something before I've actually rehearsed and developed it. So that's the trick, everyone. Don't waste six months rehearsing something that no one wants to buy. Sell it first, then create it. That's my go-to. I used to create first, sell later, and and I could have spent six months with a group of five people developing a concept that then only sold once. Waste of time, waste of energy, waste of money. Sell first. Get your photos, get your blurb, sell it. And then once they buy, no one's buying it for tomorrow. They're buying it for six months in advance, three months in advance, four weeks. So you'll have time to develop, flesh out the concept and produce the work. If you're a quality artist, you're going to be able to produce that. So just, again, this comes back to back yourself, trust yourself, know that you can create. And once you've done that, then you can be selling. I mean, I've I've made literally, and I'll, and I'll be blunt because I love sharing dollars with my art, art community because I want them to know what's possible. So for example, I created a musical theater show for kids. Um, it was called Time Machine, the musical, sold it before I wrote it, um, sold it. The vacation care market ate it up. We had one company book us out for multiple shows across Sydney and Melbourne. We made over $30,000 in one week. Wow. Okay. Likewise, when I was doing workshops with these sorts of groups, 
Um, again, really lucrative, will keep you going between gigs. This is the other bit. Book yourself out if you're worried. I mean, I remember once I was selling these different workshop concepts, whatever's popular. Glee, Glee was popular. You know the television show? Yeah. At Glee Club Workshop. We had Frozen versus Encanto, like whatever, all this stuff. Um, face painting disco party. And I know that sounds really naff and not sexy, but do you know what? I tell you what, that will keep you going in those school holiday periods when you're, you've got no work. Mm. Uh, we made, I think, so, you know, we would charge not much any because school schools don't pay much, unfortunately, but it's not a bad gig if you're running them yourself. But, you know, you might get anywhere from, you know, $250 through to $750 or something like that mm. for an event or a workshop. And so when you go out and you do this, if you're booking, imagine this, you've got two a day during the school holidays across five days a week for two weeks. What's that? 10, that's 20 events across two weeks. I'm terrible at maths. (laughs) You'll be exhausted, but you'll walk away with over $10,000. Imagine doing that every school holidays. That's $40,000 in your pocket for facilitating workshops for eight weeks of the year. This is what people don't tap into. And it takes effort. It takes energy. Yes, and I think it's worth it. <laughs> so I think a lot of people sit back. Yes, they're afraid. That's the first thing. They're scared to admit that I want to do this. I find yes. being in the performing arts fun and I want to make this more than just my hobby. But they're also not necessarily willing to put in the work and get creative. I mean, I can actually think off the top of my head if I bring it back to um, some ballet examples. I've got a couple of adults here that have performed in the past at nursing homes. So they've done a little show and that gave them, that filled up their cup performance-wise. They had an audience and it also was incredibly fulfilling for them because they actually gave a beautiful gift to the people in these nursing homes who, you know, when are they going to get time to go see the ballet? Well, the time, just the, uh, you know, the option to go see the ballet. Another Um, one think of if we're sort of going a little bit more bougie would be I'm thinking of the the I can't remember what it's called but it's like Shikoski by Candlelight or something and there's um I don't even know who runs it but I can't remember her name I the only reason I know is because she approached me (laughs) she had um a spot to fill what they do is they put on a beautiful evening I think there's a dinner and there's a tiny little stage and there's live music and beautiful candles everywhere And what happens is they employ a ballet dancer to come and do a little bit of Swan Lake, but they don't actually do the Swan Lake choreography. They actually just improvise. And she messaged me and she said, would you be interested? But at the time I was a couple of months pregnant (laughs) and I was like, uh, A, I'm pregnant and B, performing is not my thing. Teaching is my thing. But and how simple is that concept? So simple. And so you don't simple. even need to set up the event. You don't need to have lighting, microphones. Like you're just coming in with a beautiful costume, your stage yep. makeup on. And, you know, we're probably, what, talking at a maximum, what, 20-minute spot, something like that, like nothing crazy. Um, maximum, you know. That's with group entertainment. You could probably even get away with something smaller if you're a soloist, I'm imagining, in yeah. something like that. So they were, yeah, so they were doing a soloist, um, yeah, and they would come out and do, I think, five minutes and then they'd go have a little break and then they'd come back out after dinner and do another five minutes. I mean, 
amazing. Five minute sets, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So it really, and they actually offered me quite good money. So it's it's interesting to then know the back end of what they're actually making from that event. Because I thought, I even thought about, it. I thought, oh, could I pull this off just for the money? <laughs> Corporate is great. So Corporate. so when you're talking schools and children entertainment, it will be lower end pricing, but it may be a way to start for confidence sake. But then you can move into like if you've got the confidence and you're ready to rock and you believe in your ability, corporate. Absolutely. I mean, literally taking that idea and rolling with it and providing that as a service is is a beautiful thing. Um, other areas is contacting your local council. So council will have events like festivals. Um, so you can actually provide entertainment for them and they pay for that. Okay. So, you know, uh, you've got council, you've got these booking agents we mentioned, you've got the school market, you've got corporate market. You've also got, uh, you mentioned as well, pre I'm not sure if you mentioned preschool market. So the preschools as well, where you can bring ballet education into preschools with little 30 minute lessons for little ones you know things like that and I think there's so much you can do I just think yes it requires a bit of energy but if you're waiting on tables <laughs> then this is a better option in my mind um, but it has to be yours maybe you're working full-time in a professional role but dance is something that you love, you can dip your toe in. You can just dip your toe in. And actually, I think as well, if you do work in a corporate or full-time role, actually con like being open about what you do outside of work and finding out what connections your company has. Yes. Because sometimes it's within your own network. It could be under your nose. The booking, uh, the booking is under your nose and you don't even know it because you haven't talked about what you do. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I think anyway. No, definitely. So if um, I'm thinking about like, you know, someone doing adult ballet, for example, and they want to be a little bit more part of the creative arts industry and performing arts industry, but they don't want to actually be performing, what, what avenues are there? Besides volunteering for Queensland Ballet when they need volunteers, <laughs> what's yeah. a non-volunteer role? I think, look, so just performing for the love of performing, is that what we're talking no, about? No, not performing at all. So, so besides teaching and besides performing, for example, you know, uh, you are a standing committee member of Ausdance uh, New South Wales. There's yes. a few different businesses out there that require stuff <laughs> yeah no I hear you now um okay so yes I am a member of the standing committee of Dance New South Wales uh and I do that because I love to advocate for artists and I want to make sure that you know that dancers have a voice and I think that's really important um and we and unfortunately well, not unfortunately, I mean, we do have Dance as a, as a representative body in Australia, but it's really not enough. We need more. Uh, but these sorts of organisations are things that you can be a part of. You know, there's other sides to it. There's adjudication, which people don't consider as a career option as well. And I think that getting into those sorts of production elements, you know, backstage crew, theatre, there's so many different avenues in relation to being a part of the action behind behind the curtain. And so, <laughs> yeah, there's so many options. So, you know, um, contacting your local theatre, finding out what's available, contacting, um, 
you know, your local competitions and finding out, you know, how they could apply to be part of the judging panel, uh, contacting your local community theatre uh, production companies, not just the theatre themselves, the actual production companies. Some A lot of them will be not-for-profit, but that doesn't mean that they don't have, they actually do have paid roles, even in not-for-profit. So just inquiring about what opportunities might lie there, you know, is there a sort of opportunities in that space? But it it is difficult because, you know, we are a small market. So Australia and New Zealand are a small market, but I don't want that to stop you. So that's the other thing that will put a barrier up. You'll go, oh, there's not enough work. There's not enough opportunity. It's too competitive. Yes, but unless you try, you'll never know. And so I always think, you know, it's it's better to have, tried and it not worked out then to never try because that to me is living a life of regret and I and I just and I just want to be on my deathbed Georgia (laughs) knowing that I gave it a good red hot go that's it you know and I want that for everyone listening too I want them to just give it a go and it's okay someone's that most people are going to say no but someone will say yes and if no one says yes, create it for yourself. That's what I say. I love this conversation. It's like a pep talk. It so we're, we're basically telling people that if you want something bad enough, you can have it. You just got to get up off your butt and go. <laughs> yeah. But don't think, you know, and sometimes what happens as well, I've seen this before. Sometimes people get a yes immediately. So then they've leveled, they've got their expectations up here really high. And then the next yes takes longer. So don't get deflated just because that can happen too. I've seen that actually happen to people that I've represented as artists, as an agent. They join the books. Within a week, they're booked. And they're like, oh, my God, I'm a rock star, right? (laughs) And then they don't get something for six months after that. And they're like, oh, no, I'm not a rock star. What's wrong with me? What happened? What did I do wrong? No, you've done nothing wrong. It was a lucky start. (laughs) And you got to keep going. You got to keep developing. You got to keep trying, and it'll happen. Traction takes time in everything we do, not just as an artist. I know this, even as a performing arts business coach. I've been running my studio for 10 years, I've been a business coach for 18 months. And it's traction. It's, it's, you know, doing interviews like this, reaching out to people like yourself to get in front of an audience. Why don't you, as a dancer, go and contact you know people like Georgia different podcasts get in front of the media get your name out there even just consistently showing up on social media celebrating the wins showing people what you do having a consistent frequency in your organic reach and posting I know people go oh my god I don't want to do that but why not? I'm not talking about becoming TikTok viral, okay? I hate that. <laughs> no, but really, like some people go, like if you look at my Instagram page, I've got a thousand followers, and you might go, oh yeah, that's nothing. But they're engaged. It's not about having a million followers that like you. It's about having a thousand people that will that will buy from you, that will book you. So that's actually more important. It's about quality authenticity that if you're going to start sharing what you do online do it authentically do it consistently you know decide your frequency and just do it if, if you can only commit to twice a week then do it twice a week 
if you can do it five days a week, do it five days a week. But I think that's part of it too. It's about building a personal brand. As a dancer, as a performer, it, you are a personal brand. And I know, again, people go, oh, gosh, but start looking into that and building yourself in that way. Because when people perceive you as that, they will book you and they will find you. And you can begin that at any age. You don't, oh you, have, you don't need to be these fresh full-time students out of full-time. You can start this now. I'm 40 and I just started a new career path. Yeah. It's never too late. Uh, I follow some beautiful mature age dancers on Instagram and I love watching them dance. I mean, we're talking grey-haired dancers. <laughs> And they're fab and you just, it's so inspiring. And yeah, they're getting booked for different things. They're not going to be Britney Spears' backup dancer. <laughs> and ballet, ballet is very like popular at the moment and very in the zeitgeist and very coming out in all the big brand fashion. And yes. so I'm seeing lots of models being booked and unfortunately they're putting point shoes on them and they look terrible. Imagine if you were on the books and you knew how to do point work and you wanted to do some modeling, here you go. Like, you know. Totally. And if you do get an agent, let them know who you are and show them. Send them videos, let them know who you are because you, especially, you know, with those larger bulk agencies, if you can't find a more boutique personalized one, just go with a bulk, just get started, but tell them who you are, show them who you are so that they get to really know you so that when those opportunities arise, they know that you're going to be the right person for that. Um, yeah. So getting video content is golden. Yeah, there's so much. <laughs> but it's, and don't get overwhelmed. So this, can I just say one thing, Georgia, because it's going to be like people are going to come off this going, oh, my God, too many things, okay? Too am many I, things. Or am I going to be, uh, you know, a performing artist? Am I? What am I doing? Yeah. Choose one thing. This is what I do. It, it, lower your expectation just for today and go, if there was one thing I could take away from this this podcast or this masterclass that I did or anything that you do, I always think, what's the one thing that I can walk away with and implement straight away? What can I get started on? Run with it. And then everything, it'll flow. It'll follow these little nuggets come back to you once you're in flow and once you've gotten started. So yeah, just one thing. That's all you got to start with. And it could just be, hey, I'm going to show up on social media. I'm going to just start putting myself out there, you know? Yeah. Or it could literally be like, and I think this is underrated, talk to your dance teacher. If you are thinking about how do I go about this, there are people where I I never want to push someone into something as a dance teacher. So I might think someone would be a great teacher or mm -hmm. someone, you know, could do some admin at our studio or something like that. If someone comes up to me and goes, Georgia, I've been thinking, I've been tinkering about the idea of possibly teaching, what would that look like? What pathway could you map out for me? Would you be interested on taking me on and mentoring me? Can I sit in on some pre-primary ballet classes? Could I next year for 12 months, I don't need to be paid. I just want to be a uh, assistant teacher so I can, you know, for 45 minutes each week, decide whether maybe this is a path I want to go down. Yes. Have a conversation. <laughs> that is the best advice ever, Georgia, because I think that we don't tap into our community enough. 
we've forgotten that it takes a village, you know. Yeah. It's so easy to do that in a digital world, but you need to have real conversations with people in your network and your community. That is that is a very beautiful thing and it is the most powerful thing you can do is having real conversations with people that are in your network. Yeah, I love that. Before we leave, I have one last question for you. What keeps you balanced, Josephine? (sighs) (laughs) So I'm an extrovert at heart. I'm quite a lot of energy, Um, but balancing, keeping myself balanced is something that I have to very much focus on because I can be so high energy that I just overwork myself. I'm really high goal, high achiever orientated. Um, So what I try to do is like what you just said is connect and focus on real life connections, Uh, taking time to schedule time with people that I care about. So for example, uh, once a month, I have what I call family fun day and I love my work, but I don't want to not commit time to my family, my kids, my loved ones. So once a month, I commit one Sunday a month. And of course, we can have more fun than just that day. But that one day is like non-negotiable. It is family fun day. And my kids (laughs) know it's happening. And they look forward to it and we plan for it. And it's a really big event in our family. Things that, yeah, so for me, it's about, taking time to make time for the people I care about. That's what keeps me balanced. I mean, even just recently, I started a book club with a group of uh, high achieving women. And once a month, we get together online and we talk about a book. And even that, just reading, stopping the doom scrolling, I love, I love social media. I do. I'm, if you, if you see me on Instagram, you can find me. (laughs) It's, it's, you know, high energy. I'm always there. I'm always showing up, but taking time away from the screens and just even picking up a book keeps me balanced. I think that's, that's been a practice in my family. Now we've been doing it for two months. We call it the Lancuba reading challenge where we read five days a week as a family at night. We just sit down, no screens and we just read quietly together that's it's almost a form of meditation for me I think reading has been a big part of that too so yeah just just making time for for those sorts of downtime moments love it well you're only in Sydney I hope our paths cross someday but if you're ever on the Gold Coast you'll have to come take an adult ballet class it was lots of fun (laughs) I'm actually in the Gold Coast April next year I'm going to be at a women's business retreat so I love the Gold Coast. It's nice and sunny. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. And and I would love to let your listeners know, yeah, to find me at Josephine Lane Cuba on Instagram. um, And you can always send me a DM and we can start a real conversation. Um, I'm open to that. If you have any questions and you're from Georgia's community on how, you know, you want to progress in your own career, just, yeah, let's have a conversation. I'm open to it. Love it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Georgia. 